Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Today's a really special day. Five years ago, today, 2-24-2008, my family and I gathered around our kitchen table and we prayed that people would show up at the second location of our church, Life Point Church in Wakefield. And boy, did they show up. Hundreds of new people showed up to be part of our church. So when I woke up this morning, that's the first thing I thought of was five years ago today, we're sitting there saying, God, make those 200,000 flyers that we sent out and bug people with for the last month. Make them fruitful, and he did. If you rewind four years before that, 229 on Leap Day of the year 2004, a really new, innovative, and weird church got started in the Six Forks movie theater called Life Point Church. So today's a, a really cool day in the life of our church. We're starting today a series called Catalyst Remix. And if you were here for the first part, I guess, which had been Catalyst Mix uh, a year ago, We talked about where we believe God's taking our church over the next couple of years. And all along we'd planned when we got a year into the journey, about halfway through, we would do kind of a reminder. But more than a reminder, we would invite new people in on the journey and remind all of us of our commitment that we made to the Catalyst journey and encourage all of us to finish strong. There's 25%, according to our stats... 25% of you weren't even here last year to hear the Catalyst series. And Catalyst is all about one thing. It's about helping people connect with God. And it all comes from a verse that you just heard on the screen in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Now to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen. And if you've been around our church for the last four years or the last nine years, you know that God has done more than we could ever ask or imagine. And through this catalyst journey that I'm going to give you a little snapshot of today, whether it's a reminder or brand new information to you, I want you to hear that we are trusting in God again to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And the way we laid out catalyst, catalyst the term catalyst, just, just, it just means a substance that causes change. And that's what we're asking everybody to be. We're asking everybody to be agents of change in their family, in their community, and in their world. That's how we laid it out. And last April, the last Sunday in April last year, through commitments, through projections, we know that $4.5 million over two years was taken care of in the Catalyst $5 million goal. Already to date, you've given about $1.6 million and we're not even halfway there yet. So thank you. Thank you for being generous. We are going to finish this journey over the next 14 and a half months, and we're going to finish it strong. Because all it's about is helping people move from not knowing Jesus to knowing who he is. We're only going to get there by making a commitment to radical 
generosity. See, oftentimes generosity is misunderstood. People start reaching for their wallets when we start talking about generosity because you think, "Uh uh-oh, they're asking for money. But generosity, from God's perspective, is it's not like a payment that you make. It's not like March 1st, I got to make a house payment. You probably got to make a house payment. Maybe you have other payments you have to make. That's not generosity. It's just seeing it as a payment that you make somewhere. Generosity is all about, is, is not about what God wants from us, what he wants us to give, but it's about what God wants for us. He wants us to learn what it's like to live a generous life because generosity changes me. It makes me different. It makes my decisions differently. It makes me live differently, feel differently, think differently. I have this special drawer in my office. And back when we had individual offices, it was on a door. But in that drawer are drawings that came from my girls when they were about this high. They're not great drawings. But they brought them to me and they said, Dad, this is for you. And those will never be for sale. Because my kids gave them to me. And God places something in every single person that makes them really want to give. Now that gets clouded over with time and our culture and and things that we want for ourselves and sometimes being selfish. But God at our very core has created us in his image. And since he is generous, he has created us to be generous. In 2012, Facebook creator Mark Zuckerberg was named the most generous person in the United States. He gave $500 million to charity. I don't know his motivation. I don't know why he did it. But I know where the desire to give and to make a difference came from. That came from God. When Mark Zuckerberg was a little baby, God put that in him the same way he puts it in us to give. Now, you might think, well, if I had $12 billion, I'd probably be a little bit more generous too. Would you? I I, I don't know if I, I think I would be as generous as I am now, as far as percentages go. I don't know if that would change. It probably wouldn't change for you either. The dollar amount might change, but the sacrifice, the transformation, would that change? Because usually wherever, wherever you are now, as you get more, you don't become more generous. You, where you are doesn't mean that you have more. You're going to be more generous. So generosity is not about a dollar amount. It's about answering this voice inside of each of us to the way God created us to be people who are generous. See, generosity is about trust. It's about sacrifice. It's about transformation. And God knew that even though he put this in us, that we would struggle with it. People have always struggled with being generous. People have always struggled with, as we grow, as we get older, as we earn, as we we accumulate things, generosity can be harder and harder and harder. But generosity doesn't start with you deciding to give money. Generosity starts with God. That's where it begins. If you read the Old Testament, starting in the book of Genesis, go through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, 
the, those five books tell the story of creation, the fall of man, the flood, God's covenant with Abraham, the deliverance of the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. And then all the rules and all the ways God wanted them to live. So you read that whole story. But in the book of Exodus chapter 16, there's a story about the Israelites, God's chosen nation, after he had rescued them through Moses' leadership and brought them out of bondage in Egypt. And they're out in the desert and they're wandering around out in the desert and they start to get hungry. Anybody ever done a fad diet? Tell the truth. You have. You've done it. You've tried it. You've tried all cabbage, all whatever, whatever diets out there, you've given it a shot. Or if you've ever done one of those body cleanses, I've tried those. That is tough to like just drink something, you know, drink your food for a week or whatever. What happens to me anyway, and it probably happens to you, as you start to get hungry, does anybody get angry when they're really hungry? I do. It's like my, my fuse is just a little bit shorter when I need a burrito or something. It's just like my wife can tell it's dinner time. We need to feed him something. Feed it. It'll get better. Well, that's what was happening to the nation of Israel. They were out in the desert and food started to be scarce. And they started to get angry. And they started to get angry with God. And they started saying things like, we were better off back in bondage in Egypt. Because at least Pharaoh fed us. At least we had meat. At least we had what we wanted to eat. We had what we wanted to drink. So God brought us out here in the middle of this wasteland for us to starve to death. And then God said, I've got them right where I want them. God said, I'm going to provide for you food. Every evening, miraculously, quail fell out of the sky. Every morning, they walked out and bread was covering the ground. It's called manna. It literally means, what is that? They didn't know what it was. So they go out. They can eat the manna every morning. That they can only gather enough for a day. They can eat the quail every night. Just enough for that day. And they go to bed trusting in God for tomorrow's provisions. They did that for 40 years. And can you imagine the same menu? What's for dinner tonight, honey? We got quail on the menu. What are we having for breakfast? Well, we got some manna. And we're going to do that for the next four decades. And as they did that, they learned... That generosity from God teaches me that he is the supplier of my needs. So when God was generous to them, providing them food every morning, every night, all that they needed to eat, they were learning God is the supplier of my needs. After 40 years, the Israelite nation gets ready to enter the promised land that was promised to them by God. If you know anything about history, that's still the same land people are fighting over today, thousands of years later. But they're there getting ready to go through this valley to the promised land and kind of picture it like a ribbon cutting ceremony. You know, several million of them are lined up and there's a ribbon and their leader getting ready to cut the ribbon. And God says, wait a minute, before you go into this land, that's going to be a prosperous place. That's going to be a place where you're going to be wealthy, where you're going to have all that you need, where you're going to amass great riches. God says, I have something to tell you. And it's recorded in the book of Deuteronomy 
chapter 8. There's some Bibles right now coming down the aisles. If you don't have one, please raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. It's yours to keep. If you're here for the first time, you don't have a Bible, it's our gift to you. If you'd like to just borrow it and read along in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and some other selected scriptures, you can do that as well and leave it in the back on the way out. And I'll also have the scriptures on the screen as I read through. So Deuteronomy, second book in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Chapter 8. This is God speaking right before they get ready to enter the promised land. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Now get these last two verses. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. See, our tendency, as we begin to have more of our stuff, do more of our things, manage our time, is to forget that all of that comes from God. That's our tendency. Just a few minutes ago, when Joel was leading us through thoughts about communing with God and about sharing in that communion ceremony, Jesus said, do this when you remember me. Jesus could have just said, remember me, but he knew that if we connect a doing with a remembering, it's going to go better for us. It's going to be easy for us to remember. Every week you take communion, you remember, this is what Jesus did for me. Gave his body, gave his life so my sins could be forgiven. You do something, you remember. It's the same with generosity. As we are generous, it helps us remember it helps us to remember what God has done. So why is it hard for us, for people, to be generous? Well, because it's my money. Because it's my time. It's my stuff. And then when people talk about using my money and my time and my stuff, I'm like, whoa, hold on. This is my stuff. I made it. I built it. I created it. That sounds a lot like the people God dealt with thousands of years ago when he said, well, hold on a second. I'm the one that gave you the ability to have all of that. Don't forget that. And generosity helps me remember. Did you know that statistically when churches talk about money, attendance goes down? All over the place. Not this church. I'm talking about every other church, okay? We're different. You all aren't going to do that. But it's true. Statistically... Talk about money, attendance goes down. Why is that? Well, it's because we're uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable talking about something that Jesus almost talked about more than anything else. Jesus 
will talk about anything that people tend to put their trust in more than him. For us, it happens to be things, our stuff, our time. So generosity helps us remember that God is the source. See, generosity helps me remember all that God has done for me. And so we have this this catalyst vision, this vision to be an agent of change in our family, in our community, in our world. And we've got 14 more months till we get to that end of that two years where we believe God is taking us as a church. And this catalyst journey, if you're just learning about it, it's not just about money. It's not just about giving more money and and making a greater financial commitment. Yes, that's part of it, but it's also about your time and your service and sharing your gifts with your church family and in a way that makes a difference in your community, in a way that changes the world. So here's what has to happen if we are going to finish out the next 14 months strong. Well, here's what has to happen. Through projections and commitments, we're at $4.5 million. That means there's a gap. Now we have 14 months, and I believe God's going to do way more than the $5 million that was our goal by the end. But that's the gap right now. That's $500,000. That's a lot of money. That's the gap. But here, stop thinking about the dollar amount for a moment. Here's what it represents. Here's what finishing strong and reaching our goal and exceeding it means. It means that as a church, we can fulfill one of the core principles that we have on our leadership team is we will not be burdened and saddled by debt. We waited a long time to start the construction of a building because everything we ever looked at was significantly more expensive than what we're spending down the road that we're going to get to move into a little bit later this year significantly more. So we waited and we waited and we waited until where we thought, okay, it is debt, but we think in a reasonable amount of time we can pay it off. And we're still sticking with our goal that in five years, from the end of that catalyst journey, we will be debt-free. Just imagine what else we can do. That amount also represents our ability to move our West Campus to a larger facility. We are outgrowing that campus on Western Boulevard. That's an awesome problem to have. But fulfilling this commitment, this reaching this goal that we all had together will help that happen even faster. It represents more church planting in the world. One of the things that we've always been committed to is we want to help more churches get started. There's a lot of people right here in this audience, if, if we said, how did you get to know Jesus? And Life Point Church is going to be somewhere in that story. How was your faith renewed like never before? Somewhere in that story is going to be Life Point Church. Well, there are other places that need new churches because the population rate, the rate of decline of church attendance means that we need about 1,000 more churches planted a year. That's the statistics. That's a lot of churches. And we want to be involved with that. So one thing you did over the past year as you made Catalyst Commitments was you helped three churches get going in three two parts of the United States and one in Ecuador. You helped Praise Chapel in Los Angeles, California. Pastor Ruben, can't wait for you to meet him. He'll be up on the screen here in a few weeks and you'll get to hear what uh, our assistance has meant to him. It was $50,000 to help get that going. Then you get on I-40 and go all the way east and you wind up in Wilmington, North Carolina. Venture Church. Pastor Chris Woolard, who was here a couple months ago, be here again in a couple of months. 
is going to get started this fall. Another $50,000 because of your generosity that was given to help make that happen. And I believe, because I know both of these guys and I've assessed what I believe to be very, very high leadership capacity. So that means I I think their churches are going to do extremely well as far as reaching large numbers of people. And then Pastor Javier, Mount of Olives Church in Ecuador, where some of us have got to go and meet him and stand in the place where that church is or was going to be built. And that church, was, which was once crammed into a house with a couple hundred people standing in the street to hear Pastor Javier speak, is now a church of nearing 500 counting kids. And the people from Compassion International tell me that that represents, that church represents reaching about 3,000 people for $80,000. That's a lot of money, but that's cheap. And they got in their building before we are. And ours is going to cost a lot more than $80,000. That's the best bang for your butt going. We want to do more of those. That's what that gap represents over the next 14 months. It represents things like that happening. So the vision to reach that not only requires us to be generous financially, but it's also going to require us to be generous in another way, with our time, with our talent. Even right here at our Durant campus, we have seen the numbers just continue to go up and up and up. And so we're getting ready to do something really cool starting Easter Sunday on March 31st. We're going to go to three services. Isn't that awesome? That means more people because we've, we've maxed out the facility. And even though you might see a few empty seats in here, you haven't been to the two-year-old room. You haven't been a couple other places that's like, whoa, this is a little much. And so starting Easter Sunday, mark it down, 830. Rob's going to talk to you a little bit more about that in a few minutes. And if you're a morning person, we need you to be generous with your time. If you're not a morning person, don't choose the 830 service, okay? Just wait. But many of you are morning people and you're like, yeah, earlier, got a longer day. That's awesome. And if you're a, if you're a person that loves just looking other people in the eye and you can say good morning and how are you doing, then we need you to say, I'm going to be a greeter at that first service that's going to help more people get connected with God and help our church attract and reach even more people. If you love getting up at being here at 6.30 to help with setup and making all this happen so more people can hear about the message of Christ and get connected to God, then say, I want to do that and show up and do it. Be generous with your time. Be generous with giving up some sleep. Be generous with using your gifts. So it's not just about the finances. See, the great thing about generosity is 100% people can participate. Everybody's included. You don't have to be Mark Zuckerberg in order to be generous. You don't have to have $12 billion in order to make a difference. Any income level, whether you make $25,000 or $250,000, it doesn't matter. You can be generous. Back when I did college ministry... I would take a group of college kids every spring break for several years in a row to the Navajo Indian Reservation in northeastern Arizona. And we go out there and work with kids that if you've never experienced that culture, there's poverty than you can imagine right here in our own country. And so we would go there and serve for a week and the kids would have to raise their own money to get to go. And we would announce it to the church I was a part of and and we would say it's five to six hundred per kid and, and people would give help college students get to go on that trip. 
There's this one old lady who I will never forget. The first year we did it, she said, I want to help and I'm saving some money. A couple months from now, I'm going to give you some money to help a kid go. And in my head, I'm thinking, great, she's probably going to pay for a student to get to go on this trip and, and that'll be a little bit easier for them and their family. And every week when she would see me, I'm saving some money. And a few weeks before the trip, she came up and handed me an envelope. I opened it up. It was $20. And she had saved 20 bucks. And I told her, I said, this is probably the most generous gift we've gotten throughout this entire time of trying to get people to sponsor students. Thank you. That represented sacrifice. That represented generosity. And it was only $20. And $20 won't make a huge difference as far as just that $20. But think about the difference it made to her. She's since passed on and we're still talking about her. 20 bucks can leave a legacy. For you, sacrifice might be 20,000. It might be 200,000. You have to determine what it is that you, do, that you can sacrifice so you feel it. I think that's what God wants us to do. To give in a way that we feel it. Because generosity towards God changes me. It changes much more in my life than the financial picture. Take a look at this story about how generosity can change you. So our Catalyst story is a little bit different than one you might have heard already. Uh, when Hillary and I first met, it was obvious that God had brought us together. Conveniently enough, a, our second date was actually to Life Point. Hillary was already a regular attender, um, and I'd just moved from Jacksonville here to Raleigh, and I was still looking for a church to attend. Uh, at that time, we were both living a little further from God than we actually wanted to be, um, and I really realized at that first service that I was living my life as a Christian atheist. Um, I was in a little bit of a different situation. I actually grew up in a strong Christian family, but uh, after a stressful string of events in my life, I started to reject God. Um, and we both realized that we wanted to be closer to God, and it was something that we needed to change, but we didn't know where to start. Um, so that's where Catalyst came in. Um, we found out about the Catalyst program, and we decided that we wanted to get involved, even though we didn't really know a whole lot about tithing. And uh, so we started to adjust our income and our spending and the way that we lived our lives, and God sort of took it from there. Yeah, I mean, overall, uh, tithing was something that was pretty foreign to me. I never actually grew up in a, in a church family, um, actually attending church regularly, so I had to do a lot of Bible study, and um, Hill helped me a lot with that, teaching me what tithing was all about and that, that aspect of generosity. And that, that through the Bible study, we became to realize that, you know, we were sharing a home together and living as a family, but um, really we were living in sin because we were unmarried. It was at this point that we actually started to uh, reevaluate the way that we lived our lives, and we realized that we did need to make a change. Um, so we started talking to the LifePoint staff, and after a whole lot of prayer, we finally decided to uh, do something different with the way that we were living. Yeah, I mean, it was at that point I decided I was going to move out of the, the apartment, and I started living on the couch with a friend of mine, um, a mutual friend of ours, actually. It was tough. It was tough. Yeah. Um, at that point, Hill started packing up all of her stuff and made arrangements to go back home and live with her family um, while we were busy planning the wedding and getting everything taken care of. Uh, we made a vow of purity to each other, which I'm proud to, proud to say we both kept, which was another um, big learning curve for us. 
And uh, about a month later, we were married on the banks of the Falls of Noose River, where actually um, a lot of the kids that I work with and she works with in 252 get baptized. And it was a really, really beautiful experience um, with God in our family and the church community. Um, we just wanted to thank everyone at LifePoint for all of the prayers and all the uh, help that everyone offered um, as we were getting ready to be married and also as we got involved in the Catalyst program. A lot of questions were answered and the prayers definitely helped us to figure out where we needed to go with our lives and uh, how we were supposed to uh, be living. Yeah, it's, a, it's just really amazing to see how a small act of generosity can grow and grow um, within your family, within your community and, and overall definitely. change your life and change your world. So that's our Catalyst story. Generosity changes people. Now, I can't promise you if you say, I'm going to be more generous with my finances and with my time, with my gifts, that single ladies, that you'll find a husband. I'm, I can't promise you that. <laughs> I can't promise that as you're more generous and you decide to really sacrifice like the lady that gave 20 bucks to help college kids go on a trip and you decide this, this is what I feel and this is what I hurt, I, what hurts to give. I, I can't say that money's going to magically appear in your bank account. You're going to get raises and everything's going to be better. And anybody that does tell you that, I think's lying to you. Because generosity costs something. Generosity costs God, who is the initiator of generosity. It costs him everything. It costs him his son. It costs him Jesus Christ. But that cost that he was willing to pay changed everything. And it allows us to be changed by this message of hope and redemption and forgiveness and grace in Jesus Christ. That's what we want the rest of the world, our neighbors, our city, and our world to know about. And it's your generosity that's going to help accomplish that as a church. It will change you. So on the way out today... We have a couple things that we would like for you to take. Everybody here, we have these books we've gotten for every family, one per family. Please take one of these books. It's called Generosity by Gordon McDonald. There's a little message from me tucked in the front there. Please read that. And if you're in a life group, you're going to be going through, going through this book over the next few weeks. Please take this. Read it if you're not in the life group. Read it as a family and talk about the things this book addresses. There's a website that's interactive. You can go on and, and learn a little bit more and go a little bit deeper into your knowledge about generosity. So everybody get one of these. Also, we want everybody to get one of these. This is our Catalyst Commitment Card. We don't want you to fill it out today. We just want you to take it and have a look at the inside. And if you made a Catalyst Commitment last year, the, the outside of this card looks familiar, but the inside is different. It covers the next 12 to 14 months. There's one... Uh, area on there that addresses new people. If you weren't here for the original catalyst rollout that we did last February and March, then this is for you to say, this is what I'm going to commit from a financial perspective over the next 12 months in the life of my church. And then there's another section on there for those of you who had already made a commitment for you to say, I commit to finishing strong. I commit to being a generous person. And also for those of you that are uh, brand new to this whole idea of Catalyst, please get one of these books. The books all have one of these ta uh, ta tucked into the front of it. It's our Catalyst guide, and it just goes through everything with much more specifics on the financial side than I gave and much more on what we're doing as a church. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity for us to be generous and for you initiating 
the heart and the spirit of generosity. And God, as we read through this book over the next few weeks and think about what it means to be generous, may all of us approach generosity like that lady that gave 20 bucks to help people go on a mission trip. May we all approach generosity with our time and say, we want to help our church reach even more people. So I'll, I will be generous with my time and get up early. And God, for the person that may be, be here for the very first time today, just checking out our church and checking out Christ, may they start to see you through acts of generosity in others. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.